interesting episode of Crystal Myth Podcast and um, I have Mark Dorner with me and Hello. Yasmin's still globetrotting and she will be for a few weeks I guess so yeah it's just me and Mark like the good old date no no that bitch came right <laughs> <laughs> we're going classic old school Crystal Myth <laughs> 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 the good old days when Yasmin wasn't here <laughs> upstaging me <laughs> so when you're not as part of the podcast you get slagged off that's just the rules I do love you Yasmin I'm just jealous because I can't go travelling to wherever you're going I won't disclose your location you know don't want to don't want expose you to yeah <laughs> I don't know <laughs> I mean this episode's going to be pretty fucking grim uh, if you I mean I could try and make light of it I guess if that's your kind of thing I mean I suppose South Park did with Cannibal the Musical, which was very funny, based on the donor party, which some people deny that actually ever happened. Like, they said, oh, no, there definitely wasn't any cannibalism involved, but there fucking was. Oh, that was one of the ones that I looked at. And, yeah, oh, you can look at that. I didn't really look at it in the same day. I mean, I didn't look at it in that much detail, to be fair. But, but, uh, <laughs> vague look over it that I had. I didn't get any. This didn't happen. Yeah, so we're like, talking yeah. eating, eating other people, eating your own kinds, species eating its own species, which got can be troubling because it can fuck you up, as we know, um, which happens when feed animal feed distribute. I don't know whether it was a farmer's idea or it was just a greedy plant feed people or animal feed people that decided to grind up cow intestines and put it in an animal protein to feed to cows. Um, which caused the outbreak of mad cow disease, or was it Yoitz Jacob? No, I can't remember. It's a weird name that fucks up your brain. And any, no, I really any, liked where you were going with it, like Yoit Jacob. Jacob. <laughs> just sounded Jacob. like you were saying some guy's name. Yaks, or uh, some fucking crazy. I, I'm really bad at pronouncing things, so I don't even bother trying anymore. There's too many things that if I see a word I can't pronounce it, I just freak out. I just like I just freeze up. I'm like, I'm not saying that right. Um, yikes! Yikes! <laughs> what is yikes. that? Yikes! That's the guy from Scooby Doo. If you eat too much human meat, you might say yikes. <laughs> and then have a right sugarly belly. <laughs> Get the munchies like um, Shaggy and Scoop. Uh, right? No, I will. I'll look it up. I'm thought, I thought you would have known this, Mark, because I was feel like you're some sort of medical man, even though you didn't study that. No. <laughs> religion. But um, I do sometimes wish I was Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman, and that's the same thing as she being an actual doctor. So. Kind of guy that looked a bit like Fab. He had long hair, didn't he? And he looked a bit like Fab. No, Fabio's not attractive. What the fuck am I saying? <laughs> <sighs> was he supposed to be some sort of Native American? I don't think he was. Um, Who, Fabio? 
No, the guy that... Did you watch my... Um, <laughs> why am I getting angry at this? Medicine <laughs> women, what the fuck is her name? Ah, oh, there it's it. It's Creutzfeldt-Jakob disease. I, I need to think of, like, Jake Gyllenhaal or something like that to try and... Let's just similar... Jake Gyllenhaal's disease. <laughs> because Jake Gyllenhaal ground up animals and fed them to themselves. I got the Jake Gyllenhaal disease. <laughs> well, because he's called Joaquin... Oh, no, it's Joaquin Phoenix. That's what I'm thinking of, because he's... Because Jakob sounds a bit like Joaquin. But the first bit does sound like Jake Gyllenhaal. Jake yeah, Gyllenhaal, Joaquin yeah. Phoenix disease. <laughs> the scary thing about this disease is, right, it first occurred um, during the 1980s, also known as mad cow disease, or um, Jake Gyllenhaal, Joaquin Phoenix disease. And the, <laughs> um, it was a disease that affected sheep called scra- Scrappy, or Scrapey, which may have mutated, but also because they were feeding animals to animals, and obviously, like, you might be alright because you don't eat meat, so I could get it, I could have it. You might not. Might not. You probably don't. No, might. But then I suppose maybe people are. Did you eat meat in the eighties though? Were you always a vegetarian, or did you eat burgers as a child or something? No, I ate meat when I was a child. Well, you're fucked up. You're fucked as me then, um, because it started in the eighties, and it can lay dormant in your brain for you don't know how long. It can just appear like manifest at any moment so although you've just survived septicemia mark you could have this ticking time bomb in your brain that yeah yes yeah yeah if you ate tainted meat back in the 80s is that what the uh, film joker was all about uh, <laughs> <Phoenix>. <laughs> yeah, he had too many burgers in the 80s and it's been a bit mental it's a terrible 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 film that a lot of people liked for some reason I enjoyed it. But watching. now that I know that it was about Jake Gyllenhaal whacking Phoenix disease, I understand. <laughs> yeah, and also in Papua New Guinea, which, reading, which people tend to associate with cannibals. Now, I know we have listeners in Papua New Guinea because I've seen, like, unless I've got a VPN, I've seen downloads from Papua New Guinea. So I'm not hi. saying that, hi, I'm not saying at all that these are all cannibals, but that's what people generally think if they're bit daft that that people in Papua New Guinea just eat each other and it, it could be myth, it could be real but there was a case where they said there was a certain tribe in Papua New Guinea that were eating each other because they had like funeral practices and they were eating their brains and they were told in, by law to stop doing that or they'll be wiped out because they got the same type of disease that is similar to mad cow disease because it affects the brain if you're eating brains well if you're oh. a species that you're, you're a bit fucked Is that the no, Sava, I think. Hmm? There, there's another tribe that did not did the exact same thing, but it was part of their funeral practice to like eat strips of their like loved one's skin. That was the brains they were eating. So that's what like if, the collation tribe. I'm sure. I, I think if you're eating skin, that's fine. But if no, eating, they all ended up getting like really horrendous as well. That's why they also got told by like medical oh. practitioners to stop it because they carried it on into I don't know, like not. <laughs> the 19th <laughs> they carried it on until last week um, but yeah I think they carried it on for I mean a very long time and it was considered like disrespectful not to consume like a little bit of your past away loved one oh. but yeah because it was human skin they were eating it was but I like, chew on my own skin is that a type of cannibalism when I'm stressed yeah I, I think actually eat the skin around my fingers skin and like peeling the skin off of your dead aunt and <laughs> 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 
yeah. anky, but there's like levels of manky there. Yeah, well, I, I've got a few stories about some tribes that they would wait until, like, they would, as funerary practices, like I've said, that they, they would wait until the body was three months. I mean, you imagine, like, not in a like freezer or anything like that. It bolted and they wait until it rots, and then they put it on top of a fire and. Maybe this isn't as bad as actually eating the flesh. I don't know how you feel about this, Mark, but <laughs> they would... They I mean, would, I wasn't joking when I said it was wacky that you chew your own skin. Like, I find that, not you personally doing it, I just find people doing it, like, uh-huh. it makes my skin crawl. So, yeah, the idea of eating somebody else's skin, I'm definitely not a fan of. Yeah, but didn't you say, maybe you were joking, but didn't you say when we were in school, like secondary school, that if you died, you wanted a funeral whereby your ashes would get put in some like water balloons and then we would all throw each other, throw these balloons full of paint or your ashes at each other? I mean, that sounds like something I would have said in school. Um, I, well, it's stuck in my mind. So this- I think I was probably thinking more of like the like Hindu ceremony where they throw like coloured paint powder at each other. It was a nice way to celebrate. I didn't mean that I wanted you to like... No, you said it was your ashes. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, with my ashes, but no to eating it. Right, well, these people, they char the body, they take out, like, they, they flame, put it with flame grill, flame grill the body, like fucking Burger King, I don't know. Flame grilled until it's ashes, and then they mix the, the ashes in with a drink, and they all drink it until there's nothing left. After it had been rotten for a while. How do you feel about that? I feel that that's uh, not alright. <laughs> I think that's, well, okay. again, absolutely vile. Well, these... Oh, I mean, this, the ideal. Well, it was also a tribe that a lot of missionaries, uh, Christian missionaries, got told to fuck off because they all kept going there to try and uh, you know, convert them to Christianity. I don't know whether they eat they eat any of the Christian missionaries. But yeah, I mean, it's fine to burn people to death if they're trying to forcibly convert you, but it's not okay uh-huh. to eat their ashes afterwards because, again, that's gang. No, they wouldn't eat their ash there because that wouldn't be honourable. to. It, it's a good... Like, to them, it's them... A bit like the twins in the Vampire Chronicles, like where you eat your mother or your relatives outside and take in their spirit into yourself. Ah, that's what they said. They said... That they would prefer to do that, so that they their their dead ancestor relative would be can be and reside in a warm place, like inside your body, than in the cold ground. Does that now change your mind about these? <laughs> no. Put them in a sock. <laughs> Don't put them in your mouth. Would right? Okay, we'll get to that later. I was going to ask something personal to you, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> also, yeah, the, the tribe that worshipped Prince Philip, oh, I can't remember yeah. where they are. They might be Papua New Guinea as well, I'm not really sure. That after he died, they started um, cannibalising people by eating their livers and their hearts because they thought that by doing, they think that by doing that, they will um, trigger the end of the world and then they can take over. Fucking Prince Philip hasn't lost that. Well, would it not be better for them to continue worshipping Prince Philip instead of turning to cannibalism <laughs> now that he's gone? I mean Or was he telling them that? Like what where did they get that idea from? Like oh Yeah, I'm like both I mean, thinking Prince Philip's an alright guy. It seems like a bad idea, but again, eating 
<laughs> your friends and families, hearts and lovers. Also a bad idea. I mean, towards the entrance, so it really did look like a shriveled up hole. Terrifying. Yeah, scary. I think he was dead for quite some time, and they were just they were just driving around the weekend. The animal that And maybe they're going to do the same with the Queen. Because see, I haven't seen her for a bit. Um, they say she's frail and she's not going to any. Yeah, you know, like. Yeah, she can't really go outside anymore. Mm, but she did. There was an incident where I think it was either her dad or her grandfather where he was raging because the doctor came in to euthanise him, like to kill him off early, so that they could make the, the papers. <laughs> so that he would die at a certain time for the papers instead of, like, at an inconvenient time for announcing his death. That's pretty fucked I mean, up, isn't it? That's more than a wee bit fucked up. Especially mm. so, a little bit as well. I mean, I did see an article, but then I noticed who wrote it, so I'd decided not to read it. It was the Scotsman and their notoriously like horrible Yoon paper that basically just shit on Scotland at every opportunity, even though it's like in Scotland it's published and it's called The Scotsman. But they it said if I didn't click on the article but it did say there was like some cannibalism in Scotland in the early medieval times and I was intrigued about that but I didn't want to click on their article. Really thought you were going to say that they said there's some cannibalism in the current royal family. <laughs> I don't know, maybe. <laughs> Prince Charles and Camilla regularly eat people. I mean, I seen. I don't think they're eating enough because I seen when I was flicking channels and I had to go into BBC One and there was some sort of jubilee said for the Commonwealth or something at Westminster Abbey. It was all very strange and fucking Bojo Johnson was there, but I honestly don't think the royals actually wanted to speak to him. So they they came in and Prince William and Catherine came in to the arrived and oh my god she's so skinny like scarily so like her coat was just it looked like there was nothing under it it's the tiniest waistband like I was like maybe it's because I'm fat now but like I've, I've yeah, honestly Jesus she, fucking so, Christ yeah. does that woman she doesn't eat doesn't look like she eats unless she has a lizard <laughs> she doesn't eat to it. And then I was like looking at, I know this doesn't really say anything to do with like cannibalism, but I was just like, look at Prince William's head. It's, it's totally bald. <laughs> he looks like Captain Picard. Oh. You know, Captain Picard had a bald head, but he had hair sort of clinging around the sides. Yeah. Except Captain Picard actually looks hot. But Prince William, no. I mean, you should just, why can't he just shave the rest of it off? It just looks yeah. weird. And his dad, right, Prince Charles, came came in with Camilla. And I'm thinking, his fucking dad has more hair on his head than William does. What the hell happened there? I'm trying to think of an explanation. Bless you, <laughs> I don't know, cannibalism. And obviously, and then I was thinking about Harry and how he wasn't there. And he's probably glad that he, he didn't have to put up with all that nonsense. And he's living yeah, he a big Hollywood lifestyle with Meghan Markle. Chilling with his wife. And his kids. And his kids. He might be chilling with them. <sighs> Would you eat the royal family? I mean, the royal family back in our day, well, the Stuarts, who are like came from Scots, basically lineage, not that I'm saying that's, you know, I'm sure you're going to tell us about like Scottish myths about mythology. There's a well-known story, which Mark's going to share with us. But the Stuarts, who lasted up until 17... 
1709, I think, 1709 or something when Queen Anne died. They, I told Jasmine this, I don't know if you were at this podcast, that they would drink like powdered skulls of people as a remedy. So that's medicinal cannibalism. So there is a history of cannibalism in the royal family. In fact, no, because it will be linked to the current royal family because I'm sure they are related to the Stuarts through the Hanoverians. But yeah, I'm pretty sure that they come from a line of cannibals. I mean, let's face facts, the current royal family <laughs> have members who've done worse things than drink a powdered skull. Mm, like what? for example. Right, yeah. <laughs> Hanging around with Hitler. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so you're gonna be talking about Sonny Bean? Which uh, is a weird name. Like and he had a tribe or was it a tribe or is his actual family? But I, I, the only time the first time I heard about Sonny Bean was when I went to the Edinburgh Dungeon and that was a god awful time. And uh, they were they were talking about Sonny Bean there. Yeah, they have like a Sonny Bean experience, which is That's weird because, Sonny well, I say he's not from Ed, he is from Ed, but he's not from Edinburgh. His wife's from Edinburgh, but he's, right. they, they lived like down here. So down funny. here is like where I am just now. Down here is not specific. Yeah, I thought they lived in a cave up in the Highlands somewhere. So they didn't, they lived in like Stranraui. Uh, yeah, they lived just outside the Ballantrae, like in between Stranraui and Ballantrae. Is there not a Sonny Bean experience down there? That would be fun. No, there really should be. I don't understand why all the Sonny Bean stuff's in Edinburgh. Again, he was born in well, no, he wasn't born in Edinburgh. I feel like I should just tell the story instead of the going, he was born in Edinburgh. No, he wasn't born in Edinburgh. Yeah, he was born in Edinburgh, but he wasn't. Yeah, born. let's not be all about it. But like the Sonny Bean experience, how would that like? What would that entail if you went to it? Would they feed you? Well, tell us why. <laughs> <laughs> they forced me to give you and me. You get to experience what it was like to be sorry. I really wish it was real. Okay. Can I realised as well that <laughs> yeah. the reason that I thought that we'd done this before is because when Yaz had said that she would like it if we did like the true stories behind horror films and The Hills Have Eyes is the horror film based on is it really? Story, which again is weird because that's obviously set, it's like a bunch of rednecks in America. Yeah, but remember I said there is a link to rednecks because the Appalachian, in Scotland, because the Appalachian Mountains used to be part of Scottish yeah. Highlands, so there you go. <laughs> anyway, I don't know why I'm now just stopped and that's the end of the story. Right. His name was Alexander Bean, which is a funny second name. Oh, Paul's really pals called him Sonny. Right. Why? Couldn't find any information on that. Sonny. Big Sonny man. Right, okay. So his dad, which confused me, because, I mean, it didn't say he was a council worker or anything I read. <laughs> what? <laughs> well, it was basically like, oh, the he worked for like... Or the 17th. 16th or 15th? 15th. Right, okay. So 1400. Right, okay. He definitely didn't have council workers, but it's, it basically said that his dad like worked for the local borough mm. and that he did things like cut public grass, oh, ditches, dig ditches. So I'm like, right, that's just a count. Like, he just worked for the council. So anyway, yeah, his dad worked for the council. Right, okay. He worked for South Lanarkshire Council. He worked for South Lanarkshire Council, yeah. except it was just outside Edinburgh, but it was still South Lanarkshire Council. <laughs> West is West Lothian, that's just outside Edinburgh, isn't it? Aye, aye. Yeah, so his dad worked for West Lothian Council and he got Sonny a job working for the council as well. 
Well, it's that's what happens in the kitchen. It. It's all your relatives. That, so they all, it's full of fucking nepotism. So, yeah, it is. Yeah. That's the worst thing about Sonny Bean. You want to learn that. <laughs> <laughs> no, he, he will fart but the, the nepotism. Yeah. No, I mean, we will get to the yeah. part, but it's not okay. as bad as the fact that he didn't even, I mean, he, he didn't stick in at school wisely and then he just automatically got a really good job at the council. Ridiculous. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just kidding. The premise that was. Right. Yep, carry on. So he decided, basically, he didn't like any of his pals, he didn't like his family, he wanted everyone to fuck off and leave him alone, he didn't like working. Was he a teenager at this point? Working. Uh, I think he was about like 20s by the point that he decided ah, that everyone okay. should fuck off. Okay, fair enough. Everyone so he got, he basically carried on doing the same job, but in Edinburgh itself. Mm. Which again is why the Sonny Bean experience is there. Uh, and when he was in Edinburgh, he met his wife, who I would argue is the hero of this tale. His wife, Black Agnes. Black Agnes. <laughs> <laughs> was she really dirty? Uh, no, she was a. Uh, um, was she actually black? Practitioner of the dark arts. Ah, like Black Philip, right? I get you. Yes. Cool, cool, cool. I think that's why I just automatically liked her because yeah, she's like Black Philip, but a woman. <laughs> so we met this woman they were roughly the same age her name was Black Agnes she worked as like a maid in, local, in a local big hotel in a local big hotel in an Edinburgh hotel but she was also known to be a witch who practised the dark arts so a lot of people didn't like her but Sonny was well into that so he was really enamoured with her apparently so the story goes prior to her ever meeting Sonny the reason that she didn't have any contact with her family or friends is because most people had distanced themselves from her because of the black magic and also because she was apparently a necrophiliac, <laughs> which is a good reason not to want to hang about with somebody. I don't know why I said that like that. No. <laughs> <laughs> why is she a hero with this fucking story? None of her pals to hang out with her. Did they confuse the word necrophiliac with necromancer? Or was she no. actually... Oh, okay. It was bad. She's trying to pick up for it. She was a necrophiliac. Right, I don't know. That's um, and there was also reports, although apparently the necrophilia thing, that was a definite, but there was there was some rumours that she was maybe eating bits of the corpses she was fucking, but... Oh, but I was going to say, confirmed. if you don't know what necrophilia is, Mark's just basically gave it away by saying you fuck corpses. Yeah. Um, but she liked to take a wee bite out of them while she just was doing wee, that. Having a wee chew while she's... Yeah. Podging her away. I've never, I mean, I've heard of women, um, not men being necrophiliacs, but I never thought women doing it. They fist no. in the pot. Are they, what are they doing? Are they, they shoving their hands up the their holes. I don't know. Not that you're an expert on that. <laughs> <laughs> I can tell you. <laughs> or is she getting? You know how like some male corp- corpses after they die have a stiffy, like have a. Yes, was if you're old Gregor Morrissey, maybe she. Yeah, was, yeah, like, yeah. Yeah. What's it also, not that I'm saying that we shouldn't be judging her, that is wrong, but what there's nothing talking? in the story about where she's going to, like, bride what? dead guys or well, dead I, girls. It's the medieval times of fucking dead guys that are everywhere on every street. True, maybe that's why people knew it for a fact. They're like, aye, like, that guy. Right, <laughs> and She was on him in a second. <laughs> she was going to hump it away in the car. In the middle of Princess Street. <laughs> So why would you be interested in Sonny if he's alive, not dead? Um, I mean, apparently he was terrifying looking, so he probably kind of looked like a corpse, and that's what she was into. All right, yeah, okay. So anyway, they started. Like people can get someone. That was all yeah. lovely. They got married. 
<laughs> so she became Mrs. Black Agnes Bean. <laughs> or Black Agnes Bean. <laughs> and she agreed with him. She also hated her work and life. She just wanted to practice her witchcraft and he basically just wanted loads of money for not doing anything. So they decided for some reason to move to Ballantrae, which again is quite near where I live. It's lovely there. Sounds but nice. They moved to Ballantrae, but again decided that they weren't going to what? live a normal life that involved work. So obviously they couldn't Fucking get a scroungy, scrounging bastards, man. <laughs> so they decided they were going to go and live in one of the sea caves. Okay, yeah. Yeah, because it's only pay rent. So the sea cave that they chose to live in was one that the mouth of the cave would be inaccessible due to the tides during the day. Mm-hmm. And then at night when the tides went out, it would be accessible. Obviously, it was quite clear where it was going there. <laughs> so it meant that they didn't go out during the day. Black Agnes didn't really oh. go out at all. She just got Sonny to get her stuff while he was out and about so that she could practice her dark arts. And um, Sonny would head out at night and would be, he was basically a highwayman. Ah, okay. So he would go out and rob. I mean, it is like it's still, I mean, it's not the same road. I'm sure they've like retarmacked or whatever. But it's effectively <laughs> still the same road that the story takes place on, which is the road that runs basically from the bottom of my street, right up past Ballantry, out towards Garvin. And it's like a, it's basically just like a wee tiny road that curves all around the side of the mountains. He can still drive up it now. Did he have a horse or was he just lying and wait for someone to pass him and then he would jump? Yeah, no, he would just come out of the sea cave and then do exactly that. He'd basically like go up Ah. and shrubbery at the side of the house. And when someone was coming up on their either walking or riding their horse or on their horse and car at the side of the road, he would leap out and attack them. Uh, Normally he would stab them in the throat and repeatedly until they were dead. And then he would take everything they had of value. So the people of Ballantry weren't fans of um, Black Agnes no, and Sonny yeah. for some reason. Uh, obviously, they would only go into town to, at first when they lived there, they would only go into town to get like food and supplies. And obviously, people thought they were weird because, well, again, they didn't go out during the day. So the only time they would go out during the day was if they stayed out in their sea cave long enough to go to the local shop and hang about the town. And everyone was like... I'd imagine they looked pretty weird. I, I yeah. bet they were more weird shit and yeah, the, the town weirdos basically. I'm surprised that they didn't get burnt at the stake or like arrested for being witches or whatever back then. Maybe they well, were just scared of them. Give the story time. was a witch. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you might get your witch somewhere near the end of the tale. So right. uh, they had kids as well, although they didn't really tend to take the kids in and out of town with them, but people in Ballantry were weird they, they had kids. Six. I imagine you would fuck a lot. Okay, yeah, well, okay. So they had six sons <laughs> and five daughters. That's a lot of kids. <laughs> to one another. And we'll come back to what I say to one another. Oh my later. god, what? <laughs> so, Kills of eyes. <laughs> and then at that point in time, apparently unrelated um, string of events, there's a beach in Garvin where legend has it random body, like human body parts kept washing up. I mean, recently in current times uh, and somewhere off the coast of New York, a lot of um, feet were oh, washing yeah, up. Foot beach. Yeah, foot beach. <laughs> ah, foot beach. <laughs> I'm not saying that that's to do with cannibalism, but it's... 
According to the legend, like Han's feet, bits of thighs were washing up on the beach at Garvin, and some people were encouraging the police to investigate it, but they were saying that it wasn't anything, it was just that happens sometimes. Yeah, when people drown and bits of their body decompose and maybe float off. Which was, according to the story, incorrect, because the reason they were washing up is because Sonny and his family were munching on people, because by <laughs> this point, they'd realised that every time they went into the town, people were judging them, and Black oh. Agnes was like, do you know what I love? Eating people. So <laughs> she suggested <laughs> to Sonny that once he was done stabbing someone in the throat, he could take one of the sons with him, and they could then carry the body back with them, and that would give everybody the food for the evening, and then whatever they didn't eat, they just cast out to sea, wash up on the beach in Garvin. So it sounds to me like they're just extremely reclusive people. <laughs> you know, really shy, introverted, and because they went to the town, people made fun of them, then they resorted to cannibalism because they didn't want to be judged. <laughs> like, they sound like the worst type of evil goths ever. I feel like your story is quite nice until the end bit with the eat people, like your version of events. <laughs> poor ostracised souls forced to eat. And it's not like life. they get, well, it's not like, like I don't quite much, uh, and admittedly it is driving me a bit mental, but at least I can go online and order food to be delivered to me. They didn't have that back then. Not that I'm trying to justify their cannibal, I kind of am trying to justify They couldn't get just eat, so they had to eat people. <laughs> So what else are they supposed to do? <laughs> I suppose they could have went fishing or whatever, but yeah, I guess. <laughs> I feel like I'm on the pro cannibalism um, debate team right now. You're I don't pro, know. Why. You're pro the beans. Yeah, <laughs> I'm pro beans, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, I might not be if you can't. Right. What? What else? Is there something that might change my mind on the beans? Okay, so I'll jump forward 25 years. Right. Move the story on a wee bit. So, 25 years later, there's a travelling fair that comes to Shinar. It still comes to Shinar. That's not As a weird thing. That's just a statement of facts. Yeah, there's a travelling fair that comes to Shinar. So, the travelling fair... Are people? Are they like carny people that I'm a bit scared of? I shan't comment in case anybody listens, Leslie. You can take that to me whatever you want. Okay, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> If you're a carny person and you listen to this podcast, I'm not mean. I don't mean any like offence. I, I just sometimes get a bit scared of carny people. I'm, I mean, yeah, I'm sure you're fine, right? Yes, Mark. Next okay. time the travelling fair's here, you come down and stay, and you go down and you see what you think. Okay, thank you. I will take you up on that. You think really negatively of them? <laughs> no. <laughs> Take me, you're going to take me to Soybean's Cave, that's where I want to go, the Soybean's Oh yeah, we should go there. Yeah. So, travelling fair, it was travelling up, right, but this, this guy and his wife had been there. They'd travelled down from just outside the Garvin because mm-hmm. they were like, travelling fair, fun times. So he'd take, him and his wife had recently got married, they'd come down, they'd spend the day in Stranraer, they were travelling back up with their coachman mm-hmm. driving their coach, or not driving their coach, it was the coach <laughs> pulling out, but the coachman was there. Right, okay. So the next thing, there's a, a kerfuffle, shall we say, in the road. Right, is it Sonny? It has to, the coach has to stop, he doesn't really know what's going on. So he sticks his head out, and as he sticks his head out, his wife is pulled from the carriage. Oh. He draws his sword and jumps out, and Sonny and one of his sons have his now-dead coachman, they're trying to carry him off, and there's 
a group of six terrifying haggard witches led by Black Agnes who are eating his wife alive by putting the in her and sucking the blood out. Fucking hell. The most terrifying of the crones has ripped his wife's stomach open and is pulling out her intestines. Hang on a second. How how do we know this happens? Because that implies that someone witnessed it and survived the ordeal because otherwise then that's just a hearsay made up. Because, Leslie, the travelling fair, as you remember, they Oh, yes, yes, yes. And it's just a little road. We're coming up behind them. So the travelling oh, fair, right behind them. They get out. Right. The, the beans flee the scene. Fucking hell. That made me laugh. The beans, the beans flee the scene. <laughs> it's like, is that a Jemdon's book? One of the girls has an intestine hanging out of her mouth. Oh. Um, the carnies are actually the heroes. And- they are. Right. You were okay. judging them so negatively. Oh, so okay. the beans flee the scene. The guy's not dead. His wife and coachman quite clearly are dead. He's horribly traumatised. The carnival folk take him in with them. Their next stop is Glasgow. So when they get to Glasgow, the, I don't know what the person's going to be called, so I'm going to call them the carnival king. The carnival king and the man. I know where they live in Glasgow as well. I used to pass it on the bus all the time. I can't remember the name of the fucking road though. (laughs) Was it like Dunmarnock Road or something? Why not? So yeah. They all go to Dumarnock Road. Yeah. They sing in the carnival and uh-huh. let's call him Jim Bob. Jim Bob. Jim Cameron. Robinson. Mm-hmm. Um, go to report this terrifying incident to the appropriate authorities in Glasgow, who then contact James the First. Oh yeah, he's like the witch finder expert, isn't he? Indeed. To explain that there's these terrifying <laughs> people. Six of them are witches. They're eating young women by the side of the road. <laughs> so James the First sends hundreds of his men and dogs, accompanied by the Carnival King and Jim Bob Jim Bobison, back to Ballantry hmm. to see if they can track them down. So they go to where it happened. Then they go off the side of the road. They're looking during the day. They've got bloodhounds with them. The bloodhounds are going daft, but there's nothing about that they can get to. But then as night falls, the bloodhounds start leading them towards the now open mouth of the cave. So they apparently arrived at the cave and what they found inside was there was like arms and legs strung up from the ceiling, drying out, that had been rubbed in sea salt in order to preserve them. They had barrels and jars of pickled bits of basically... Humans inside of them, again, to snack on whenever they want. They said that the entire floor of the cave was littered with bloodstained human clothing, jewellery, basically just anything that they managed to grab from... The Sonny Bean experience. Yeah, the Sonny Bean experience. (laughs) (laughs) You two can roll in blood-soaked clothing and jewellery while eating a pickled finger. Tastes just like that butter beer from Harry Potter. But the other thing is that on top of Sonny and Black Agnes and their eight sons and six daughters, mm-hmm. there was 45 other people of different ages living in the cave. Because remember that this is 25 years later. The people of different ages living in the cave were the children of some of the sons and daughters, the children of right. so they were and some of the daughters, the children incest. of Black Agnes and some of the sons. Fucking the hell. <laughs> of the grand 
children, cousins, children. Right. Yeah, it gets really confusing. Nobody knows who's related to who at some point. It's just a big mishmash of bodies and limbs. So the men sent by James I rounded up as many of them as were able to be rounded up. They said that some of them were so... Were they malformed? That's not malformed, thank you. I'm like, they use the word Did they look like feet? Yeah, they were so malformed that it was impossible to sort of round them up or get them out of the cave. So once they'd led Sonny, Black Agnes and those that could be led out of the cave, out of the cave in chains, they then used dynamite to blow the cave mouth up, basically leaving... Oh, so can't go out of the cave then? Grand monsters to perish inside. That's fucked. That's a shame. When they arrived in Glasgow to be sentenced, it was found that because Black Agnes was a witch mm. and the rest of them were the product of incest and Sonny's crimes were so awful that they were all found sentenced to not be human. So all of the male creatures were <laughs> to have their genitalia, hands and feet chopped off and then just to be slung outside until they bled to death. Mm. I was going to say, wouldn't it be funnier if the king decided to eat them? They would be reasonable punishment. <laughs> you know, grind up their skulls, put it in a drink. It um, would be funny if they said, if their punishment was they were like, Jim Bob, Jim Bobison, you will eat them all. And they like, don't want to eat them. And they were like, no, no, they ate your wife. <laughs> you must eat an them. An eye for an eye, a body for a body. They're just like, that's the odds of them. It's okay. <laughs> Uh, and all of the female creatures slash witches were sentenced to be burned at the stake. Mmm, crispy, flame grilled. Sadly, Black Agnes did not spit a curse as she was uh, burned, which she really should have done. Um, why were you expecting she was going to do that? I, I just thought she's like, <laughs> she's had the coolest storyline throughout this entire series of events. So, I mean, that poking holes in and sucking blood out of that woman was a bit harsh, but... Also, the fucking corpses. Yeah, well, she I might not be the best. No, I don't think she is. <laughs> well, speaking of um, feasts, now that's really was weird. That the the word feast originates from cannibalism. That's a fact. Facts well, don't have feelings. Facts don't have feelings. That's no. true. So the mythological brothers Atreus. Again, it's these bloody names that I'm not sure I'm pronouncing right. Atreus, which makes me think of Atreus from the fucking never-ending story. <laughs> so I'll just call him Atreus. Atreus and um, fiestas, fiestas of Greek lore. Fiesta. Yeah, Atreus and a fiesta of Greek lore grew up to have an intense rivalry over many things, including various thrones and the wife of Atreus, who is called Aerope or Arope. I don't know. It's spelled Aero as in the chocolate bar. A-E-R-O and then P-E. How would you pronounce that? Aeropay? Aeropay, yeah, that's nice. After discovering that his brother, Fiestes, usurped the throne of Mycenae, in this increase, um, and had an affair with his wife, Aeropay, the said Aeropay, Atreyu decided to get the ultimate revenge. So... He invited Fiestes and his sons to dinner. Then, without his brother knowing, he had his sons slain and served their flesh as part of the banquet. And this is how the phrase Fiestes banquet 
or feast came to be. So anytime you say, oh, we're going to have a feast, it, it actually it means that you're going to eat someone's son. Yeah. <laughs> you're going to eat your nephews. <laughs> mm -hmm. It makes the, the um, you know, the lollipop feast I used to love give it a whole new meaning. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> say a lot of thing about the beans, but they didn't eat their own nephews. Also, <laughs> the children, the grandchildren. <laughs> you know, you don't know that though. Like hamsters would eat their own siblings sometimes. You or said just like James the First calling them animals. <laughs> Well, it was James the First of England, but James the Sixth of Scotland, so it would have been James the yes. Sixth of Scotland. Sorry, I'm a historian nerd. So. No, you're right. That that should have said James the Sixth. Same as James the Sixth. Yeah, yeah. You should apologise. Um, yeah. Well, okay. There was one I came across that was um, a Romanian tale that was a bit like Hansel and Gretel, but with cannibals. <laughs> so she's called Mama Padre. You heard of her? Mama, Mama, Mama Padre, which sounds like nice. Yeah, she sounds lovely. Like in Japan, if you're a woman and you you run a bar, you're called a mama. So she likes little girl soup. Mm. She she maybe she and them um, Black Agnes would get on. Yeah. So she's a sort of Hansel and Gretel character from remote Romanian <laughs> Romanian Ramon Romanian myth. She's the kind of cannibal that can cause little children to never want to leave their homes again. Her name means mother of the forest, but there's nothing maternal about this woman because of her first for little children. She's able to shapeshift and she can appear in different forms, but her true embodiment, which is quite common with these things, is an ugly old woman. Depicted as taking and imprisoning children, in some versions of the myth she attempts to boil a little girl alive and make a soup out of her. Similar to the story of Hansel and Gretel, they manage to outsmart her and escape, so she... Might have tried to as the soup. Yeah, but I mean, I don't think you would survive unless it took her a really, really long time to boil that water that she managed to get out before it got too hot. Yeah. And her skin was coming. In this picture of her, she looks quite nice. Like, she's got lovely, long, flowing hair, and she's quite good looking, not an old hack. And I just think it's someone who hates women. You're right, you don't want to be fucking about making a soup out of someone if you're going to eat them, just poke a hole in them. <laughs> and then there's a Maori, is it Maori? In, yeah. in music, yeah, in mythology, there's a goddess called Waitiri, and she was a cannibal thunder goddess who wanted to start a cannibal family for herself, much like the beans. Mm -hmm. Her story began when she descended from the sky to marry a mortal warrior chief called Mankiller. <laughs> Because she thought he sounded like the perfect mate. I mean, I mean if you came across someone called Mankiller on Tinder, would you think that he was perfect mate? Yes. Okay. <laughs> but after marrying him, she was disappointed to learn that he was not a cannibal. His well, mate didn't live up. Yeah, he didn't live that up. That must have been very upset for him. Well, I mean, you can be a mankiller, but you don't necessarily want to eat the people you kill. So yeah. she's, yeah, she said, even when she even when she slew her favourite enslaved person. And her favourite enslaved person and offered mankiller the person's heart and liver, he wasn't interested. So she eventually just gave up trying to make him a cannibal like herself and just returned back to the sky. <laughs> but then if she's a cannibal goddess, does that mean that she eats other gods and goddesses? Like, that's confusing to me. Yeah, that is confusing. Because if she eats people, she's not a cannibal. Not she's really. A... Yeah. It's people. But she's a goddess that wants to encourage humans to be cannibals. Technically, 
Mm. And James Six said that none of the beans were humans. <laughs> then that also means that they're not cannibals. So really, no one we're talking about is a cannibal. Well, that's true. Yeah, because if they weren't humans, then they're not eating other humans. They're yeah. He's sort of like vindicated them in a way, or unless he's saying because they broke the taboo of cannibalism then they're no longer considered human so that he can do what he wants with them outside of the law of human, you know, like, rule of law for humans. I mean, he's set humans up. Like, they're not getting tried as a human. <laughs> well, you, we, we looked into um, Hinduism, which I think is quite interesting. And you know how, like, they have their, 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 their goal is in the caste system is to become a Brahmin? Yes. Like, they're at the highest level of the caste system, yeah? Yeah, yeah, that's correct, yeah. Right. Well, there's a tale of the Brahmark Shasas. Have you heard of them? No. They're cannibalistic spirits of deceased scholars. Um, they're described as hulking demon spirits that originated from evil deeds. They are a karmic, we love karma, consequence of an ill-lived life. Based on Hindu myth, they are the spirits of Brahmins or scholars of high birth who either did evil things in their lives or did not fulfil their duties. The resulting monster-ghost-human hybrid possesses all of the knowledge of its human life, as well as certain seductive power, but it also wants to eat people. The concept of the Brahma Arakshasas is so prevalent in the Hindu-based cultures that the famous Indian filmmaker, who we've all heard of, Bhushan Kumar, created a supernatural film called the Brahmakshasa based upon them. Check it out. I love that idea. I've never heard that before. I like that Makes idea sense. because because they're always seen as like the Brahmins is cast is always seen as like untou- not untouchable. The untouchables were untouchable, but like they were as close to God as you could get. Yeah. You know, they were like the aristocrats or like the highest of on the high of the castes and um, looked down on all the other people. But yeah, they're still punished. If yeah. they fuck up. Uh, there's well, another like, one. So they're punished because if you're in one of the other classes, <laughs> like if you're shit, you just move down a caste. But for them, it's like if you're shit, you get turned into a cannibalistic a monster. monster. And there's another Hindu and, and Buddhist myth, the Rakshasas, and they're cannibalistic beings who try to eat their own creator. I like that idea. <laughs> I don't know why. It's like you and your mum as soon as you're born. Yeah. Legend has it they were created from the breath of the sleeping Hindu creator god Brahma, but were so bloodthirsty from the moment they were created that they attempted to eat him immediately. However, before they were able to, he had Vishnu vanish them to earth. And in the ancient Rig Veda text, they are known as one of the Yatuhanas, translated to mean beings that eat raw flesh. Uh, in Vedic and Puranic stories, they are described as vampiric with the ability to fly and disappear with fangs and a lust for human blood, which they drink straight from their palms or from a human skull. Their red eyes and flaming hair give them a fearsome appearance. Their appetites made them so infamous that in Bengali, the word rakosh signals a person who eats excessively and feels no need to stop. There was also a tale of a guy who was cursed by the goddess Demeter, to be obviously ravenously hungry all the time. He's called Aristophon. <laughs> Aristophon. <laughs> that's not pronounced right at all. I don't think that's how you pronounce his name, but that's how I'm going to say it. He is... Are you thinking of the Aristocats? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I'm going to call him Eric. 
Greek Eric. So he was sometimes also called Aphion, so we could call him that. He cut down trees in a sacred forest belonging to the goddess Demeter in order to build himself a feast hall, what to eat his sons. <laughs> As punishment, Demeter placed the spirit of insatiable hunger, Limos, in his stomach, which meant the more he ate, the hungrier he got. And driven by the intense hunger, he sold all his possessions, including his own daughter, to acquire food. Eventually, poor, homeless, and driven mental by his hunger, he began to gnaw on his own limbs and ended up eating himself. <laughs> That's impossible. You can't fucking eat yourself. I'm sorry. No, I like the idea of it. I'm trying to work it out stage by stage. Well, I guess, well, he said he started on his limbs. So I suppose you would start with your legs and yeah. then work your way up until you're only a head. But how would you eat your own head? I don't suppose that's what you can't eat your own head, so you would eventually get to the heart, and then that would be it. I don't know. <laughs> I'm trying justice. I'm trying to rationalise it. <laughs> would you eat your own asshole? I don't think that you would be able to do that. But if you were going to eat as much of yourself as possible, you'd need to eat your own asshole before you got to your heart. I suppose start with your own genitalia. Would you start from the back or the front? <laughs> I mean, I'd rather not eat any of myself. Mm. I've got so much on cannibalism it's really <laughs> there was a guy that wrote a book about animals that eat each other and how it's like natural to them but it was only taboo to the western like in, in certain cultures like mostly in the west because of Christianity and things even though like technically they have the transubstantiation thing yeah. which nowadays they'll say oh no 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 it's nothing to do with cannibalism it's just symbolic but Back in medieval times, they actually genuinely believed it by eating the bread and the wine that would turn into the flesh of Jesus. So, fuck you, that is cannibalism. <laughs> I mean, yeah, drinking blood and eating flesh is cannibalism. This guy said there was an instance of like tadpoles that were like frogs that's, that gave birth to tadpoles, obviously, and they were in such a shallow pool of water that eventually the water would dry up and that would lead to their death. So, ideally, they would want to like grow as much as possible to escape before that happened. So some of these tadpoles started eating all their brothers and sisters and they developed like teeth and <laughs> they became really monstrously big so that they could escape as a means of escaping faster because if they ate the flesh of their like siblings then it would make them fatter quicker. I don't know why that's the most terrifying thing that either of us have said so far. It is actually really yeah. scary. And I, even though they're just tadpoles, that's nature. Uh, there is also, he also mentioned something about um, how the climate change may eventually lead to famine-related cannibalism. And they asked him about this and he said, I don't want to make it sound like an assertion that this is going to happen. But if you look at the key reasons why cannibalism occurs across nature... It is usually due to overcrowding, like the tadpoles, or a lack of alternative forms of nutrition. In the West, we have a layer of culture that prevents us from cannibalising, but we know that cannibalism has taken place with humans during famine, such as in China, where they would swap children with each other so to make sure they didn't eat their own kids. In times of Yeah, but it wasn't taboo in China to eat people. Cannibalism wasn't taboo because um, people were on the menu of the imperial like royal family in China. They have evidence of this. 
I've so, done because my mouth didn't close for a while there. <laughs> it's fucked up, I know. Um, he said, uh, and with all the changes that are taking place due to global warming, like deforestation, it's not a stretch that cannibalism might occur if large groups of people were suddenly without food. So, Mark, if this was to come to pass, and there are, if there was, make, like, you know, another world war and there was a nuclear fallout and everything, and, you know, like all the supermarkets were fucked, the animals were all dead, would you be that hungry that you'd resort to cannibalism? I mean, it's, you can't even, yeah, you think that, but then look at the people who resorted to cannibalizing their friends when they crashed in, in the Andes. They did it to survive. But then again, but then not all of them did it. Like, there was, there was several of them that died because they couldn't bring themselves to do it. Well, they're idiots. I would well, have I, I am one of those idiots. I mean, I don't know because I'm not in the situation, but I don't think that. I would do one, like, judge, not a judge. I'm not judging black actors. Well, that's <laughs> the, pro the problem with that is they were judged. So the people that survived by eating their friends were judged when they went back. So they had to come up with a story that they said, again, where we're talking about the yeah. transubstantiation thing. They said, well, if it was if it was okay for Catholics to accept the body and blood of Christ, then it would be okay for us to eat from our friends. That's how they justified it. But in actuality, one of them said, nah, that was bullshit, we were just hungry. We just said that so we wouldn't be judged. <laughs> I mean, it's not like that I'm judging. Like, if we it's were somewhere party. and I died, I would rather that you ate my dead body than you died. But also, if it was the other way You wouldn't eat me? I don't think... Because what if I said to you, Mark, Mark, I want you to live for your son. You have to survive. So please eat me. I still don't think I could. I don't think I could physically uh, eat. Actually, I don't even I know if I could eat. Never mind human meat. That's true. It would be it would be a hard time. So, so basically, what you're saying is that all the vegetarians will die out first, and it'll just be left with us meat eating fucking cannibalism like myself. <laughs> I won't have any any qualms whatsoever about eating people to survive. Survival is the best. I think if I tried to eat some. I get not even so. I feel like if I tried to eat a chicken to survive, I might be sick. So I would definitely be sick if I tried to eat you to survive. Where Although I still it? want to go on the Sony Phoenix and then I'll well, know for sure. So back to the China thing. There was justification. Oh, and also this is another reason why Christopher Columbus is a fucking arsehole. But I'll get back to that. So during the Cultural Revolution, you know Chairman Mao and all that. Privately owned farms were collectivised. These techniques did not work, which resulted in a lot of people starving. I think it happened in Russia and all. Many people across China were reduced to incidents in what is known as starvation cannibalism, similar to the Donner Party. Families were often reduced to trading their children for the children of their neighbours so they wouldn't wind up killing and eating their own kids. <laughs> Fucking hell. I understand though. So, but if you're trading <laughs> your children for the children of your neighbours, does that just mean that you're giving your children away for someone else to eat them? Yeah, basically, so you're not eating your own kid. You're eating but, their kids. I mean, that's horrific. Surely the more logical thing to do would be for you to draw no, straws. If you're, if you're a couple, which I assume you would have been at that point in time, <laughs> it's for you to draw straws, and then the one with the short straw gets killed and the rest of the family eat them. Why would you give your children to your neighbour to eat before you'd eat? I guess, I don't know, maybe children are more succulent. Mm. <laughs> It's not about the taste, but about what's least monstrous. Well, like they say that, that he says, he says China's a special case because it was never exposed to the taboo against cannibalism, so that may explain why you can't understand 
why they thought that, they didn't think that was horrific. It's a Western taboo. If your culture dictates that, if you're an emperor, you're allowed to eat human body parts and there's nothing wrong with that. There's numerous description of emperors and other members of the imperial court enjoying humans as a type of food prepared in all different ways. But you can't get your Western head around that. I mean, no, I really can't. <laughs> And then there was, like, I mentioned Christopher Columbus, okay? So this is fucked up, right? So when he first arrived in the New World, he described the indigenous people as friendly and causing no problems. He'd been told by Queen Isabella to treat the people with respect and kindness, except if it became clear they are cannibals. In which case, you can fucking do what you want to them, like James I, or James VI decided. <laughs> Initially, the Spanish were looking for gold, and when they didn't find it, they figured the next best thing was slaves. What a cunt. I so, do. lo and behold, when Columbus came back, the indigenous people who had previously been classified as friendly, well, guess what he said? He said... Did it turn out that they were actually eating each other and he yeah, just didn't notice for a while? Yeah, yeah, he just didn't notice that they were actually cannibals, so he could then do anything to them, like, you know, enslave them and stuff, take their lands, murder them, treat them like pestilence, and that's what he did. With the result of a lot of violence were depopulated, the idea of cannibalism as taboo was used to dehumanise the people encountered on these conquests, so it was used as a, a means to fuck people up, basically. Yes. And maybe that's where the term, like, where they fought other oh, savages and all this pish comes from to justify their genocide. <laughs> and finally, I'm going to get to the most grisly, fucked up thing I've ever read about this. Yay! <laughs> but then, if you look into... Now, if, you've, if you're if you quite squeamish, maybe you may not want to listen to this, but maybe some part of you just, you know, where we all love the gore and the forbidden fruit, so to speak, you know, you might want to listen in. You know, there's just something about, I don't know if you've been ever attracted to, like, looking at, you know, you shouldn't look, but you just want to look anyway, and you, you regret it. Have you ever done that? I'm attracted to Did you ever used to go on Rotten.com? No. I'm sure we all went on Rotten.com when we were in school. I mean, um, I we all... definitely didn't, but you're right, lots of people did. You did. My brother did. did. <laughs> Yeah, there was, there's some things on that site that I can never erase <laughs> from my brain. <laughs> like bloated corpses and stuff that they found that were just lying in a bedroom. Like actual like soup, human soup and stuff like that. There's a lot of fucked up shit, shit on there. I don't think it exists anymore, but there's probably loads of other places like websites where you can find that kind of weird shit. So if you think that was bad, then honestly, the Japanese... Imperial Army have done the most fucked up shit. That, I mean, if you, if you think the Nazis were bad, the Japanese were worse. I think. Have you heard of anything that what they've done, like in the World War Two? Um, I don't really think I have. No. I mean, I knew they tortured people. Because, yeah, I, I, that's some people like I'm thing. aware that they torture people and they're to be right bastards. But yeah, but I don't know. There's nothing springing to mind that I'm like, this is obviously what you're going to talk about. <laughs> Well, it's the story of Japanese cannibalism during World War Two. Now, as I said earlier, a lot of times that people turn to cannibalism is because they're starving. With the case of these Japanese soldiers, they claimed they only ate human flesh because they were starving, but the evidence tells a different story that they were doing it just to because I, they were told to to feel more powerful. Um, <laughs> 
So I'll read some of it. So in 1945, a first-year medical student named Toshio Tono stood in the halls of Kyushu Imperial University as two blindfolded American prisoners were led into a pathology lab by Japanese soldiers. I did wonder if something unpleasant was going to happen to them, but I had no idea it was going to be that awful, Tono told The Guardian in 2015. The two blindfolded men were members of a B-29 bomber team and they were already wounded after being captured. They were apparently led to believe that they'd been receiving treatment for their injuries. Instead, the doctors began a series of human experiments as Tono looked on in horror. According to testimony later used against the doctors of the Allied War Crimes Tribunals, they injected one prisoner with seawater to see if it could be a substitute for a sterile saline solution. Other prisoners had parts of their organs removed, with one deprived of a whole lung just so the doctors could see how his respiratory system would respond. As a young medical student, Tono's tasks usually involved washing blood off the floor and preparing seawater drips for his superiors. So he's like, fuck, this is wrong, but I'll still do it. <laughs> he said the experiments had absolutely no medical merit. They were being used to inflict as cruel a death as possible on the prisoners. But as horrifying as these experiments were, one allegation was perhaps the worst. Cannibalism. According to American lawyers, at least one prisoner's liver had been removed, cooked and served to the Japanese officers. Though charges of cannibalism were later dropped in this specific case, there's no question that some Japanese soldiers ate human flesh during World War II and sometimes they weren't even hungry when they did it. And they particularly... Yeah, I like that about the United States. And the worst bit was, oh, did you feel... <laughs> I had a big dinner. <laughs> it's fucked up. <laughs> There's quite a lot into this, but there was some key points here. Um, there were, and this happened in Papua New Guinea as well. There was a story of the Suzuki unit. There's a really disturbing picture in this article of a guy, like a dead Jap, a couple of dead Japanese soldiers, just lying in like water, and one guy's upright like floating on his back but half of his head's basically gone or caved in or something i don't really know what the fuck that's all about so whenever cannibalism in the imperial japanese army is discussed it's usually in terms of survival cannibalism either the consumption of scavenged dead bodies or the execution of prisoners and fellow soldiers for food when fresh corpses were unavailable but as tanaka pointed out not every case of cannibalism was simply about the need to eat the prosecutors at the trial of Dr. Hajime Ainoda hope to establish while unpacking the actions taken by the members of the so-called Suzuki unit in the Philippines during World War II. Deployed to the human mountain jungles of the Bukidnon region in 1945, the Suzuki unit was tasked with combating Native and American resistance to the Japanese occupation of the area. At the beginning, they had some food rations, and then when they ran low, they managed to forage for food and steal some from local villages. However, many of the soldiers got sick and died, sometimes due to diseases like malaria, other times from violent bouts of diarrhoea. One big challenge for them was the humidity. They were simply sweating too much, which obviously like depleted their calorific intake and never, you know, we've all been there. Whatever I will add in Egypt, I fucking nearly died over there. Whenever that was one of the issues with the septicemia is it makes you like profusely insane. Yeah. Right? So yeah. Yes. Yeah. Mm, dehydrated. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. Not not a fun time. I didn't no. eat anyone though. <laughs> it wasn't fun. <laughs> So this guy um, said 
the only way to save his men, this guy argued in his defence, was to feed them some kind of meat. (laughs) Whenever possible, we avoided killing by eating the bodies of people who died from illness or were killed in action or were executed for crimes. However, surely, not to, to interrupt you in your flow, uh-huh. not to argue against no, them, right. surely it would have been better to give them fresh water and fresh fruit than to make them eat other but people. He, but he was saying that the, the, obviously they're, they're the enemies and they, they don't want, like, they've not got a lot of supplies, so that was his excuse. Okay. However, officials were suspicious about the true motive behind this cannibalism. Their suspicions were all but confirmed by the testimony of Rikimi Yamamoto, another soldier who joined the Suzuki unit. He said, We frequently ate human meat as our dinner, boiled it with vegetables and ate it. The meat was brought into camp by patrols who had cut it up and dressed it. Sometimes the meat was dried and sun-cured. No other meat was available. We had to eat human flesh. For this reason, Filipinos were captured and butchered. I was so hungry I ate it, although I would have preferred pork. (laughs) 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 Why didn't he just go out and try to find some pork? Yeah, I did eat that woman's son, and to be perfectly honest, the worst fucking thing was, I really wanted a bacon roll, but (laughs) absolute fucking travesty. Although he was adamant he had no other choice, the graphic testimony from his prosecutors reads like something from a horror movie. (laughs) When Lieutenant Alejandro Sally captured the Suzuki unit, he found human bones, human flesh, and the process of cooking, human skulls and fragments of a human body around the premises of the camp of Suzuki unit and around the houses occupied by members of the unit, and it could therefore be concluded that the killing of Filipinos and the eating of their flesh were of common knowledge to all the members who were encamped together in one place. So ultimately, Ayanoda and nine of his men were sentenced to death for their horrific crimes, so they were punished for that. Um, because they did think, yeah, well, you didn't need to eat them out of hunger. You were clearly just eating them because you wanted to. Yes. <laughs> Um, yeah, because they were saying hunger was just an excuse for the behaviour. Uh, the real motive, he said, in most cases, may have been to consolidate the group feeling of the troops for morale. So while many soldiers claimed that they only ate human meat for survival purposes during the war, there came a point when at least some of them chose to be cannibals rather than surrender. There were some cases where isolated soldiers were able to survive in precarious situations without becoming cannibals. The most famous example, and you've probably heard of this guy, is Kiru Onoda, who was a holdout soldier who managed to survive in the Philippine jungle from 1944 until 1974 by eating boiled bananas, coconuts, and occasionally stolen rice or cows. So like you were arguing earlier, they could have just done that. Yeah, there's like stuff that they would have had access to that would have made mm. the, yeah, would have been a <laughs> much healthier choice than eating a person. Yeah, I mean that was the guy that famously still thought that the World War Two, the war was still going on. He was living in the jungle all that time. Like that's, that's what confused me about the previous statement, though, is exactly that because they were basically like, I mean, we were really dehydrated, so mm. what choice did we have but to eat a human being? And <laughs> <laughs> at least one other instance, another Japanese soldier was captured by the Allies while he was running away from his newly cannibalistic unit. So, like you, um who said that you would rather not eat people, and I said, well, I would. There were clearly many of them who didn't want to participate, 
and they ran away rather than be eating people, so they're kind of good guys, yeah. Having established that this was unusual among the soldiers, where did it come from and why was it happening within the Japanese army? One particularly interesting case seems to get to the core of the matter. A young Japanese soldier confessed at a war crimes trial that he ate the flesh of an Australian he had shot in battle out of intense hatred and intense hunger. Apparently, this raw seed, when watered, had the potential to grow into a series of murderous practices that are ancient as my case. <laughs> so he's saying that it was because the war had made them into that way. Um, I don't know if I buy that. Yeah, I can't imagine hating somebody so much that I would eat them, because again, there's no logical link for me there. I can't imagine hating somebody so much I would kill them, eat them. Yeah, because one of the most infamous cannibals of World War II, Major Matoba Sueo, he's said, well, yeah, I was a madman, but it was due to the war, and that's the only reason I can give for being a cannibal. He's blaming <laughs> it on the war. <laughs> there's the gruesome Chichijima incident. On September 2nd, 1944, an American plane carrying nine U.S. airmen crash-landed above the Japanese Bonin Islands after being shot down by enemy soldiers. While all of the soldiers attempted to escape capture by the Japanese, only one survived and succeeded. A young man named George H.W. Bush. (laughs) (laughs) The actual future president of the United States. He evacuated the doomed aircraft at just the right moment and was promptly rescued by an American submarine. But his peers were not so lucky. I mean, did he even try and save them or did he just fuck off and mm, knowing the bushes? Captured by the Japanese soldiers, the crew members were tortured, stabbed and beheaded and some of them were cannibalised. In this case, the soldiers who ate human flesh definitely weren't starving. Instead, they turned to cannibalism on the orders of Japanese Lieutenant General Yoshiho Tachibana, who had four men butchered for their thighs and livers. <laughs> Fuck. As Admiral Kenizo Mori's later testimony would reveal, a chef had the liver pierced with bamboo sticks and cooked with soy sauce and vegetables. Mmm, soy sauce does improve most dishes, I would say. Oh yeah, I like things when they're with soy sauce and vegetables, so I don't want to eat human liver, but... I don't even like animal liver, and I mind human liver. The dish was apparently treated as if it were some kind of delicacy, and according to Morai, it was believed to be good for the stomach. It wasn't until 2003 that Bush learned that he could have been served on the same plate as his comrades, so he had no idea that that happened until 2003. Confusion, confusion, confusion. Yeah, why? How, well, I feel like if you were in the same, like, squadron as people, you would try and pay some sort of attention to what was going on with them. Well, like, you know. Just try to escape the Japanese, I guess. Maybe it's heard what happens if you get imprisoned by the Japanese. It's not good. After the war, at least one soldier implied that was the case when questioned at his trial in Guam for his conduct. Oh, no, sorry, I've skipped a bit. Right, so I'll go back. So according to the Japanese folklore, the liver... Why did he keep eating the livers? That's what we want to know. Um, Is is the organ... Why? Because livers are horrible. The liver is the organ of the body where courage and power dwells, according to Japanese folklore. So perhaps some soldiers believed that consuming the liver of a human would give them the courage and power the person had when they were alive. 
So one soldier implied that that was the case. When questioned at his trial in Guam for his conduct, Major Matoba responded that he ate, he ate the human liver, not with fava beans and a nice Chianti, but to gain the strength of a tiger. So if you ever want to gain the strength of a tiger, eat a human liver, apparently. Surely to gain the strength of a tiger, you should eat a tiger's liver. A tiger's liver? I was going to say that. Well, maybe tigers are just aren't, like, they're more hard to come by than an actual human. Where there's I mean, true. Hmm. While livers aren't always mentioned in the cannibalism cases during World War II, there are at least some stories involving Japanese officers eating human livers for spiritual or sporting purposes, including the rumoured incident at Kyushu Imperial University and the proven one at Chichijima. It's clear the incident at Chichijima was intentionally planned and very detailed. What's less clear is whether an elaborate meal like this one was an isolated incident. Either way, some wonder if this incident points to some kind of shared belief structure or even a cult within the army. Hmm. Well, there you go. Um, Admiral Mori scoffed at his officers, um, reminding them that during the Sino-Japanese War, Imperial troops dined regularly on human flesh, using it as a medicine to make them invincible in battle. Uh, He's saying, so he's trying to justify it by saying it was part of their history, their military history, and that they'd always done that. And it's suggested by the retelling of the Chichimima dinner in the book Sorties into Hell, Matoba and Mori were the primary proponents of the scheme to feed the men human meat and actively chastise them if they didn't eat the liver. So no wonder people were fucking trying to run away and then the rest just went along with it. Absolutely. Deranged isn't even the word for it. It said it's unclear exactly how many Japanese soldiers participated in cannibalism during World War II, but what is clear is that enough of them did that it became one of the most infamous war crimes of the era, which Japan was eager to cover up for decades after the war had passed. However, some soldiers did face consequences for their actions, like Yoshia Tachibana, who was the most senior officer found guilty of the crime. He was later hanged for his role in the atrocities with modern historians like Tanaka publicising these stories. It's harder for government officials and Japanese citizens to look the other way. It makes you think differently about the Japanese sometimes. It's not, I'm not saying it's Japanese people, it's the Japanese Imperial Army. Like, what makes them do that? Like, why would they do that? When you yeah. think of Japanese people, you think, well, they're very polite and very nice and they cute and quirky. <laughs> Don't normally think Oh, people, mm. people, yeah, that's that's fair. I mean, war, I guess, turns you men into doing things that they wouldn't normally think they could be capable of, I suppose. What do you think? I mean, I suppose a big part of training someone to be a soldier is, like, psychologically breaking them so they're willing to kill people. So, I guess mm, it's someone... not in their nature to kill. <sighs> well, someone's left a comment on this article. I don't know about the name, it's called The Truth Seeker, so it could be some sort of conspiracy nut. But he said, America has instances of cannibalism swept underneath its historical rug. Baron Van Grafenried, founder of Bath, NC, where's NC? I don't know, allowed his troops to cannibalise at least 10 native youth resistors during the Tuscarora War. The general lack of protest in the account allows one to conclude where such incidences occurred prior to the one mentioned. The mountain men also murdered native children, mostly female, for consumption during times of famine. No doubt there were many others should 
situations become desperate. Is he trying to justify these Japanese soldiers eating people's livers? <laughs> I don't know. I'm not sure. I feel like in terms of the last line, it sounds like he's saying it's evil, but there's evil in other places in the world. But the last line implies like, mm. we did that, that was all right. So everyone can do it. Well, then, this makes me laugh as well. Like, the, the, um, in the, I think it was in the 17th century, the Dutch people got so sick of their prime minister that they murdered him and then ate him. Yeah. And I've seen people on Twitter say, can we not just do that to Boris Johnson, please? <laughs> I don't think I want to eat him. No thanks. That was how Bond <laughs> became Who? king, wasn't it? Because what, he wasn't what? actually part of the royal lineage. He just ate the king, <laughs> and so became king. Or him and his men. I don't know. Seized, like basically stormed the palace and ate the king. And he was like, "Right, I'm the king now because I ate the biggest bit of the king." I've not heard that. I just heard about the prime minister that the people ate because they didn't like him. Maybe they did this, maybe that, I don't know, that's weird. Maybe, yeah, now I'm thinking maybe it was some sort of like tradition where like maybe they ate the Prime Minister and then whoever ate the biggest bit of the Prime Minister was like, and now I'm the Prime Minister. So is this like a tradition where if you don't like people of authority, like your manager for instance, is you, if you're company, you've got the right to fucking eat them? <laughs> to eat them and it won't be the biggest Yeah, like, and you're, the, you're the CEO. Entire identities, like could I eat Cher's leg and be like, I'm Cher now? Well, I mean, there is the, the case of where people thought that by eating a person, you're consuming part of their power. So you could be consuming part of Cher's power. I mean, to have the powers of Cher would be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> it's share, you better watch it. Stop choking on your Cher. <laughs> I can't believe it's just the thought of you munching on Cher. She also still alive and quite happy in your vision of it. Um, yeah, I mean, she's wearing us. She's wearing the outfit from If I Could Turn Back to That's exactly what she's wearing in my mind as well. <laughs> You're just chewing on her leg like a big gospel while she's happily singing her way. I bet she wishes she could turn back time so she's not getting eaten by Mark. It's too late, sure. I know you're not. But that makes me think, like, oral sex. If you're swallowing someone's semen, is that cannibalism? If you're swallowing someone's bodily fluids, is that cannibalism? Think about it. I mean, technically you are. <laughs> I know I always have to bring it to that level, but it is consuming someone else's insights, really. Therefore, their power. Possibly, yeah, because it gives life. <laughs> no, but if a man's eating their women, then and he's licking up her bodily juices. Sorry, I'm going to probably make people hurl now, like, talking about that. Oh, that that's a bad thing. About people. <laughs> I know. <laughs> that's the thing that I think is controversial. Some <laughs> women's pussies. <laughs> Actual horrific stories, then you're like, I mean, sorry, I'm talking about oral sex. I know that's <laughs> oh, I've referenced several children being eaten. <laughs> that's cool, but don't, don't eat out women. <laughs> so, when someone's fuck is like, you need to be put to death for doing something like that. Um, well, no, I just, I just, it just, where do you draw a line? <laughs> Somewhere in between oral sex and consuming human flesh. <laughs> but you could, I'm sure there was a guy that cut part of his arm, like a tiny, tiny little bit, he scooped out of his own flesh and then he, he fried it up and ate it just to see what long pig would taste like. Long pig being another term for being a human being. 
We are long pegs. That's fair. We are long pegs. I mean, I think they say that the, that human human meat is close is close to. That's why that Japanese guy said he would prefer about pork because humans are supposed to taste similar to pork. It would make sense. We have kind of similar diets, and we're different mm. mammals. Yeah. I think if if someone offered me a bit of meat and didn't tell me what it was and I ate it and I thought, hmm, that's quite nice and then told me it was a person I don't think I'd be that upset <laughs> unless it was brains unless it was brains that, that would upset me but then you'd know what brain looked like because I'm sure like when I went no, I've not seen I've not had brains served to me in a restaurant but I, you wouldn't know but <laughs> I went to the like Viva Brazil, where they go around with lots of different meats on skewers, yes. and you just accept that it's beef or ham or whatever they're telling you it is. And then they came around with some chicken hearts, and I went, no, no, that's where I draw the line. I'm not eating a chicken heart, but I would happily eat whatever other meats they were bringing around, carving onto my plate. So just to be clear, eating human flesh for you is a yes. Eating a woman out as a baby than eating a chicken heart is a no. Yeah, absolutely not. No. That's that's where I that's a line I'm not gonna cross. That or eat prawns. Yeah, fair play. But yeah, now that I think about it, eating meat is a bit fucked up, isn't it? I know like it's a natural thing to eat the flesh of animals for us because we're omnivores, is that what we call it or yeah. But ultimately is it right? I know you're going to say it's not. You're correct. I'm going to say it's not. <laughs> but it's just, it's tasty. You can say that a bit. Think, what is it? That, do you think it is a cultural thing then? That, that Why cannibalism is taboo? Because other cultures, I mean, I don't really, I've got a whole list of them where cannibalism is like perfectly normal to them. Do you think it's just a cultural thing or it's genuinely you shouldn't do that? No, maybe, I'm, maybe I'm descended from the fucking soybeans because I said I'm yeah. the <laughs> You're Black Agnes, the 43rd. I'm um, the of Black Agnes. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Mm. Even if it is a cultural thing, that doesn't make it all right. Yeah. So, do you remember, I don't know if you remember when we were in R&D class and Mrs. Bell, she played us a song by Flanagan and Alan. She thought it was really amazing. And it was called Eating People is Wrong. I'm going to find it and play a bit of it. If I can find it. <laughs> and I think we can end the podcast on that. Obviously we'll choose a new topic, but eating people, <laughs> not eating out people, but eating actual people <laughs> is wrong. So will it come up? Oh, that's it. Yeah, that's it here. I wonder if this is it. It's four minutes. Oh, fucking adverts. Right, let me just mute that. I, I refuse to pay for like it really annoys me as well like I'm just going to have a re-rant here I, I subscribe to uh, Discovery Plus because I like all the ghost programs and they've started playing a re-ad now when you're in the middle of watching a, like ghost adventures I'm like fuck off I don't pay money for that yeah nobody's paying for ads alright Flanagan seated one day I don't think that's them <laughs> Welcome shot from the kitchen. Come and get roast leg of insurance salesman. <laughs> a chorus of yums ran round the table. Yum, 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 y
laugh and said, I don't want any part of it. What? Why not? I don't eat people. I won't eat people. Huh? I don't eat people. Must be going to eat. Eating people is wrong. That's the song. It's called the reluctant cannibal. If the choo-choo had meant us not to eat people, he wouldn't have made us off meat. <laughs> Mulligan or O'Hare from like Thick and Bob because they're actually called Michael Flanders and Donald Swan and they've got like yeah but they must they're they're like black and white people from the olden days where they've got one guy's got like a big bushy beard and I'm presuming Donald Swan's the guy he's got like little horn rimmed glasses with you know they they wear bow ties like dicky bows tuxedos (laughs) they don't look like folk singers but I've never, I never heard of them until Mrs. Brill brought it up. 
And I don't know why it was a cannibal song, but I don't know whether we were discussing it or whatever, but that just came up and she played it to us. This is before YouTube, so where did she find it? <laughs> you have it on a cassette tape or something? Just in case. <laughs> but yeah, I remember that line, eating people is wrong. But I don't remember the rest of the lines, which were I actually quite funny. Like <laughs> yeah, quite witty. Yeah, it's a very logical argument for vegetarianism. Well, he was saying at the end, like, oh, we may as well just say that people should stop fighting each other. And then the guy that said that eating people was wrong and went, ah, ha, 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 are you right? <laughs> don't be ridiculous. <laughs> so he thinks eating people's wrong, but he still thinks that fighting people's fine. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, evil's a point of view. Very true. So let's pick the next topic. Okay. What's the number? Uh, pick a number between 1 and 20. I'm going to go for 18. Uh, 18 is... Oh, no, pick another one because it's literally basically what we've just done. Well, what was it? <laughs> remember I said, I remember that we were talking about this because of what Yaz said. So number 18 is true horror stories such as the, Hill, the Hills Have Eyes family. <laughs> Are you going to scrap that from the list then, or are you going to keep it for another time? I'll keep it for another time, but we will probably not do the House of Ice family. Oh, right, okay. Um, okay, I'll go eight then, I'll take ten off. Uh, number eight is <laughs> animals in the wrong places. What the fuck is that supposed to even mean? <laughs> so, <laughs> I think I suggested this. Not like mythological creatures, just animals in places they shouldn't be. Like, okay. like there's like herds of kangaroos in Glasgow or something like that. What, like llamas wandering through Glasgow? That wasn't, that's a legend. That they got let like go from Glasgow Zoo and there's a bunch of llamas hanging about in a forest somewhere wild and near yeah. Glasgow. Exactly. That's a that. tough one. I don't know. Well, I'll try my best. Okay, well, thank you very much for listening and, oh yeah, shout out to Andy McEwen, one of our regular listeners who commented on our last episode where he made a suggestion as in loving the show, really cool thing about angels, that would be a cool deep dive episode on them, mostly because they sound super creepy. Don't think you've done an episode on them. So Mark, add angels to the list and we can talk about them at some point. Shall. Thank you. Alright, well, I'm away to eat some livers and fava beans with a nice Chianti a la Hannibal Lecter. And I'm going to go to sleep on a pile of blood-soaked clothing and random bits of jewellery. Mmm. Yeah, I'd quite like some jewellery made out of... I think I, ha- I do have a, a um, bit of jewellery made out of bone, but it's cow bone. I don't think it's human bone, and it's in the shape of a skull. I rather like it. That is cool. Bye! 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 Bye. 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 Bye.